0: Let's get right into God's Word. Are you all ready for the Word of God today? How many know we're living in a time frame of history where Jesus' words are actually being for our very eyes in front of us? And Jesus said, take heed that you be not deceived, and so that was one of the warnings that he gave in here. But he also said there would be famines in diverse places. I want to thank all you that gave for the Good Friday service. We had an incredible offering that came on to us at WCF to help the less fortunate. Because right now there's almost 2 million children that are at a place of uh, really great desperation in South Sudan and some of the areas of the camps that are over there. So we took the whole offering up and we sold that into there in WLO. So we're just appreciative for that. Amen? And so but right now we know that the world is on the brink of a war okay? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when this thing is going to break out. And Jesus said that there would be wars, and then he said there would be rumors of wars. And we can see that we're in a different day and a different hour today. But how many know when there's a war that breaks out? Most of us have never lived through a major world war. We've seen them in other countries and then other continents that have transpired, okay? that many of our military has even fought with in the past in these here wars, even in recent days. But yet there's danger that's around. But how many know when there's war going on, there's a state of vigilance that we have? Okay, how many know you do things a little bit different, and how many know there's a watchfulness that goes on? And sometimes there's people that are affected incredibly by wars, because they have loved ones, they have nieces, they have nephews, they have sons, they have daughters, they have fathers, they have mothers, they have husbands, they have wives that are in the military. And they could be going over there, and we don't know if they're going to come back. We don't know if they're going to, you know, if the loved one's going to come back in a casket. We really don't know that, because in war, how many know there's no assurance of anything? And so, how many know that if we knew that this war is imminent, then there's some preparations that we could actually make, you and I, that we can be better prepared for the war that's going on? That's in the natural aspect, but Billy Graham, one of my heroes, and we've learned many things from this here individual over over the years. If you read his autobiography, you'll see that there were standards that he lifted up. There were standards that he beheld. When he would go into hotels, he would actually have his staff go through the hotel rooms because so there was nobody that was planted in there that could ever discredit the ministry in any way. And there's things that we have learned from them over the years that we have implemented even over here from his influence here at WCL. Amazingly, and I think it was 2004, they did a survey across Canada of who is the number one, the most influential spiritual leader in Canada. Okay? And it was amazing how almost 46% of the people responded and the number one hit that they had was Billy Graham. Billy Graham's not a Canadian. But he's the most influential spiritual leader, if you want to, even in the Canadian church. And he wrote something that was very interesting, okay, in his book, and it's a very balanced book on angels. There's a lot of things on angels and and demons today that I believe is the two extremes that people can go into. Come on. But angels are real. How many know that? The Bible says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to those that are heirs of salvation? And we found out according to Psalms that the angels hearken to the voice of his word. So when you and I speak forth God's word, how many know the angels hearken to it? Those are very fundamental and very basic principles that we're going to be sharing about in just a few moments, but I want to give a quote from Billy Graham's book, and while we're doing that, if they can put up Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, we're going to go to 10 to 15 in the New King James this morning. So this is what Billy said in his book. We live in a perpetual battlefield. Wait a minute. He's talking to the New Testament church in this day. We live in a perpetual battlefield. The wars among the nations on earth are mere pop gun affairs compared to the fierceness of battle in the spiritual unseen world. This invisible spiritual conflict is waged around us incessantly and unremittingly. He said, Where the Lord works, Satan's forces hinder. Where angels being carried out divine directives, the devils rage. All this comes about because the powers of darkness press their counterattack to recapture the ground held for the glory of God. Since the fall of Lucifer, that angel of light and son of the morning, there has been no respite in the bitter battle of the ages. He goes on and writes, night and day, Lucifer, the master craftsman of devices of darkness, labors to thwart God's plan Of the ages. We can find inscribed on every page of human history the consequences of the evil brought to fruition by the powers of darkness with the devil in charge. Satan never yields an inch, nor does he ever pause in his opposition to the plan of God to redeem the cosmos or the world order from his control. We recognize something that Billy Graham shared that not only does he share his opinion, He shares it solely backed up from the word of God. The apostle Paul gives us one of the incredible revelations in his epistle in the book of Ephesians. It's one of the strongest of all the writings that we have of the epistles given to the new covenant church of the in him realities. The Bible says we have in him we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Ransom through the blood of Jesus. Rescue through the blood of Jesus. In him we are accepted. And then in chapter, that's chapter one. In chapter 2, in chapter 1, he goes and he says that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of his calling and the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe which he wrought in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, far above. Everybody say, "Far far above. All principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. So he addresses it right from the beginning of our position that we have in Christ Jesus in the area of combat, in the area of warfare. Chapter two goes in and speaks about, about our old nature, who we were in Adam, and then he speaks about the new nature. He speaks about the new man, and he speaks about, and this is the verse that I heard 41 years ago when I became a Christian and gave my life to God and was born again. And I'll never forget that as a religious boy that went to church uh, every Saturday night, not my latter years, but every Sunday prior to that there, and I remember that there at very, very well, that I heard the words, for by grace, unmerited favors, what I had heard, are you saved through faith, that not of works, lest any man should boast, for it is the gift of God. Then the very next verse says, for we are his handiwork, his uh, craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we saw that our lives now should be characterized by good works, but it wasn't good works that saved us. Come on, church. So I learned that there, and I was born again that very day. And then I recognize all the rest of this here chapter speaks about our identity. And then chapter 3 speaks about the warfare aspect that we are on. He said he has called the church to display to the powers of darkness who it is that we are to show the world the very wisdom of the cross and the wisdom of God. Amen? Amen to the principalities and powers. And then he goes on and he says, For I pray that you be rooted and you be grounded in love. Because the only thing that never fails in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm is the love of God. Come on. And then he said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could expect, think, or ask, according to or in measure with the power that worketh in us, to him be glory in the church to all generations. And everybody said... And then he goes right into chapter four and, and he speaks about there is one faith, there is one Father, and one baptism. How many know we share that every week? And then he shares about the ascension ministry gifts that after he descended, he ascended and gave gifts unto men. Oh, what were the gifts? He gave first of all apostles and then prophets and then what? And, and then pastors and teachers. Come on, evangelists, pastors and teachers. For what reason? For the perfecting or the full equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So, we are a church. How many know our job is to equip you so that you can effectively do the work of ministry in the assignment that God has given you? In that assignment, we recognize that there's powers of darkness to want to thwart that assignment. As we read into chapter 5, it goes on. It says, you are now imitators of God. Chapter 4 finishes off and says, put off the old man and put on the new man which after God is created in true righteousness and holiness. He closes off chapter 4, and he says, put away all anger, put away all bitterness and all evil speaking. Come on now, against one another. And then he says, be imitators. Literally, it goes to the theater of that day, and it says, be like the one that is playing in the opera. Be like the one that's playing in the play and act like him. And he says, be imitators not of them, but be imitators of God himself. In other words, now that we have the nature of God, we have the character of God, we can be the imitators of God. It goes on and it shares about Christ's love for the church in chapter 5, that we're to love one another as Christ loved the church. Come on. And husbands are to love their wives, wives are to submit to their husbands. I mean, that whole aspect is in chapter 5. But then he closes off the epistle, which is my text today as we start this here on spiritual warfare, and he says about the battle that we're in. Everything that he taught us was foundational to have first, and it's in that divine order. Because if we don't understand our identity, we don't understand what he did for us, we don't understand where we were and how we got out of that and translated from darkness into light, then we're not going to be effective on the battlefield. And so he says over there, let's read this here together in Ephesians chapter 6. Put that up, if you will. Verse number 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So it doesn't say anywhere to be strong in yourself of natural human ability, but it says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's go right down, if we will, verse number 11. Put on, come on, the whole armor of God. For what reason? That you may be able to stand against what? All the wiles of who? Of the devil. So let me just ask you a question. Does the Scripture speak of wiles of the devil? If you look up that word wiles, you'll look at the word slyness. You'll look at the word cunningness. You'll look at the word craftiness. You'll look at the word strategies of the enemy. And so if we understand this here aspect... There is an evil day. Let's just go down two more verses here. Put on the whole armor of God, you may be able. For we do not, everybody say it, come on, wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. Now, this is a basic 101 lesson. I've covered this a few weeks ago in my introduction. But if you don't understand that there are forces of darkness that want to steal your hopes, want to steal your destiny, want to steal your dreams, But listen, there's a greater target that they want to do. They want to steal your faith. If they can't steal your faith, they'll get you out of love with an offense or a hurt. Come on. Because faith worketh by love. And if you don't understand this here aspect, that behind everything in the natural realm are spiritual battles that are going on. And so we're going to be covering these aspects of spiritual warfare. So it says, for we do not wrestle. And how many know wrestle speaks of hand-to-hand combat? With what? Flesh and blood. But against what? Principalities. What else are out there? Come on. Powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age. And against what else? Come on. Spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where at? In the heavenly places. So that's speaking of, we live in three heavens. Number one, the third heaven is the place called paradise, the very abode of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that he says, I was out of the body and he was in the spirit. And how many know he was taken up and he saw things he couldn't even talk about? Okay, that was the third heaven. And then how many know there's the atmospheric heavens around us? And then there's the heavens on the earth. Come on. And so how many know the atmospheric heaven is where the battles are being waged around us? Come on. And so let's go to the next verse and I want to show you this here. Therefore, what does he say? Come on. Take up unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Then it tells us what that armor is. So the point that I want to bring out right now is the evil day. There's an evil day on the calendar of hell that he has targeted in every one of us inside this room. I've recognized this here for the last uh, 34 years over here. Whenever we start moving ahead in God, There's always an attack of some kind that will come. If it's not an attack on our marriage, there's not an attack on our children. If there's not an attack on our children, they'll try to hit our grandkids. If they can't, why? Because if you smite the shepherd, then the sheep will be scattered. Okay, then I recognize that there's an attack on the staff. I recognize we have to keep one another hedged in, amen? But whenever you plow ahead, whenever you move ahead, there's always gonna be a war that's gonna go on. You can't just take turf, okay? And God never called us just to hold the fort. God told us to be the aggressive one because the ball is in our hands. And we need to learn about offensive Christianity and not just defensive Christianity. God doesn't want us just to resist defensively, but he wants us to take mountains. He wants us to take opportunities. He wants us to advance, and he wants what the kingdoms are in this world to come into the kingdom of his son. This is 101. This is very basic, but it's very important that we understand this. Your enemy attacks against your mind to turn you away from your goals, your destiny, your dreams, your hopes. But above all, he wants to bring somewhere in a disconnect between you and God. Because if he can bring a disconnect between you and God, then how many know he's got you where he wants? Now let me just ask another question here, which is going to blow a few of you away. Jesus made this here a statement when he appeared to the apostle Paul on the road that it speaks about, and that he heard uh, that it speaks about in the book of Acts. That he said, "Saul, Saul, why is it that thou persecutest? Come on, me." So he identifies with the me as the Christians in the early church. So the greatest area in strategy of the wicked one is he can't get at God. I'll say it again, I'll say it, he can't get at God. But guess what? The closest ones to the very heart of God is you and I that are in this room today. And so how does he attack? He can't attack God because he already got his butt kicked from God when Jesus rose from the dead. That's the reality of it. Forget about the terminology, that's the reality. I like to say we kick devil butt, amen? But here's the reality, his attacks are gonna be against me and his attacks are gonna be against you. So understand that, number one. And so here's how he operates over here. Number one, the enemy is going to come and he's going to try to deceive us. What does deception literally mean? It means to believe a lie or to believe a falsehood. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that we believe that we've embraced, whether it's a tradition of man, whether it's a lie that the enemy says. And, man, we live in a day and hour where people believe all kinds of lies. Okay, and I mean, even this whole body shaming stupid stuff that's going on, okay, all those are lies, but there's other lies that the enemy brings out. That you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you'll never measure up, you can't finish the race. You know, God, you know, there's other people that have done worse things that you have, or there's other people listen that have done better things than you. And all these kind of, of onslaughts of the enemy are all there for one reason to discourage you, to dishearten you to let your guard down so that you aren't properly dressed. What else? To zero in on you, to disappoint you. But I believe of everything out there, there's one zero target that the enemy wants to knock down inside of your life, and that's your faith. Because your faith is not in a concept. Your faith is not in a church. Your faith is not in the man. Your faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. And listen, if he can take that faith out of the Son of God in your life and knock you out and make you somehow twist, somehow distort, somehow turn the Word of God against God, that's exactly the number one reason and the number one lie that He wants to bring. I've also learned about this here, okay? I am shocked how many people blame God today for their problems. How many people blame God for their failures in life? How many people blame God for their disappointments and challenging times that they might have inside of their life. Yet the Bible teaches us that we have an adversary, the devil. And so if we have an adversary, what does that mean? An opponent? Then how many know why is it that believers get mad at God? Why is it that believers say, well, you know, I tried that and then God didn't come through. Well, Let me just tell you something. It's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of surrendering. Amen? When you surrender, it's not about trying anymore because now you're surrendering to the one that's number one in your life. And that's another whole message. But the enemy of our soul, and I want you to get this today, is very strategic. Okay, we have a a strategic team here at WCF of young leaders and older leaders and we meet together so that we can try to be very generational over here and that we can be cutting edge and so that the plans that we have are not just the people of my age and up but they're people of younger generations that are represented in that room. And so after strategic planning right now, you can rest assured that in the military of of the Canadian right now and in the military of the U.S. and the military of Australia, how many know they're strategically planning on what to do with North Korea right now? It's not just going out, but there's strategies that are going on. But understand this here, that the enemy is also very strategic. And he knows you because he's watched you and he's observed you. And he's watched me and he's observed you. One of the ones that he was very strategic to hit and to take out was the apostle Peter. And he saw something inside of Peter. How many know Peter walked on water? You can knock him for sinking, but he walked on water. How many of you have ever walked on water? Come on. Okay, the reality. And so he saw something inside of Peter that he had a really big mouth. Amen? And that mouth could either be turned for God or that mouth could be used for the enemy. And we saw that he zeroed in on him, and he launched an attack against him, and it totally, totally caught Peter off guard. Because Peter thought, man, no matter who's going to bow, I'm not. No matter who, I'll go to jail for you, I'll die for you. And then Jesus gave him the word, and how many know he didn't like what he heard? So how many know the enemy zeroed in? That was his evil day. And he got knocked down, but he wasn't knocked out because he got up on Pentecost, all right? So that's another whole thing. But this is what I want to bring out. If you don't understand that the enemy is strategic, the enemy is crafty. He is skillful in an underhand and evil schemes. The word cunning means deceitful, sly. Our enemy is artfully subtle. He is clever. He is ingenious. And many people don't agree with this, but he is intelligent. He's shrewd. Our enemy is malicious. He's bad. He's very piercing, and he's very persistent. We also understand our enemy is sly, and the word sly means stealthy. What does the word stealthy mean? Listen carefully. Very secretive. In other words, he wants to go on unnoticed. He doesn't want you to realize what is going on around. He wants you to believe that your issues and your problems are very, very you. There's nobody else that's having this here. He wants you to believe that you're the only one that has this issue. He wants you to believe that you're the only one that's struggling with this. He wants you to believe as a single person that there's nobody that's ever going to love you. Nobody is ever going to want you. He wants you to believe as a couple that your situation is hopeless and nobody can help you. He wants you to believe that your problems are unique and there's nobody else out there struggling, but it's only you. And if he can target in and zero in on one of those areas of insecurity, one of those areas of offense, one of those areas of a hurt, one of those areas of bitterness, one of those areas of a painful emotional experience, and then what happens is, man, he begins to seed inside of your mind an area of an arsenal of unobtrusiveness of him that you have no idea it's him, and then you try to go down into the area of flesh and blood to try to solve the problem, to try to reason the problem out, to try to rationalize the problem out. The enemy's got you right where he wants you. Our enemy is extremely deceitful, again, to uh, to mislead by false appearance our false statements. One of the translations for deceive is even to delude, and delude means to mislead in the mind in the area of our judgments, to mock our frustrate, our hopes, our aims, to be unfaithful. So when you look at this whole aspect of this and you tie it in, Satan is desperately fighting to destroy your life to steal from your life, to paralyze your life, to get you off of track in your life, and to railroad your Christian faith. He wants to, more than anything else, make shipwreck of your life as well as my life. Come on, can you all say amen? So this is the area that I want to go in this morning, and I want to give you something, and I, I did it purposely in point form so you could have it, Okay? Now, the number one point that I want to bring out, and this one I want you to write down, is the spirit realm. Everybody say the spirit realm. Yeah. Now, get a hold of this, it is more real right. than the natural realm. Right. Now, let's just tie this into you and I today, where we're at. You and I, and many believers, don't understand this basic 101 truth. You are first and foremost a spirit being. Okay? On the inside of you, on the inside of you is a spirit man. That spirit man, listen very carefully, is real. And the spirit man is where God came and you were born again. I'll never forget it. 41 years ago, I went into the Catholic charismatic meeting and I was unregenerate. I was not born again. I didn't even know what born again meant. I didn't even know what unregenerate meant. I didn't know that. But I did know something. My life was not on track with God a major disconnect had came in with God, okay? And so here's what I recognized. That very night, I got born again. I went on that Thursday night to the Catholic charismatic meeting. I heard the gospel in an unparalleled way. You heard me say about Ephesians chapter two, eight to 10, and I recognized it was not my good works. Prior to that day, I honestly believe that with God, I can make it right at the end and then get the scales to balance this way and get right with God. Living like the devil, but believe that. How many can relate with what I just said over there, okay? And and, and that we have the control to balance the scales with God. We'll get it right at the end. We'll have time to repent. But right now, we're just going our own way. I recognize that night God came into my life and he changed me. I recognize that my values were different. I recognize that my belief systems were different. And things that I thought were okay were not okay anymore. And I didn't even hear messages on them Because he wrote his laws and inscribed them inside of my heart. That was the process. Then I had responsibility to change my belief systems by changing what I believe, by changing the way I think. I recognized God wasn't going to do that. It was something that I had to do to transform literally a metamorphosis of my mind to the thinking of God. Can you all say that? That was huge inside of my life. And in the foundation of that, one of the things was, Getting to know the character of God. Changing the concepts I had about God, that he was distant, that he lived on a little box on an altar, to so that he was no longer distant, but he was a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And now my home, his home, was my very heart. Yeah. Know ye not that you are the temple of God. That blew me away, but I got it. Amen? And so here I am now. Here I am. So we are a spirit being first and foremost. The activity of heaven takes place in the spirit realm. We have to change our thinking, which is the arena where the enemy enemy attacks today. It's called your soul. And there's different parts of your soul. Your intellect is a part. Your will is another part. Your mind is another part. And your emotions are another part. So when the apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, sanctify them wholly or completely their whole spirit their whole soul and their whole body amen he knew exactly what he was talking about because it's in that area of the soul that the attacks of the enemy will hit us he'll hit you in your mind if he can't get your mind he'll get you into your intellect if he can't get into your intellect he'll get you into your intelligence if he can't get into the intelligence he'll get you into your emotions come on church Okay, so that's fundamental, that's 101. So here, if the natural realm, listen, if the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm, then how do we operate in the spiritual realm over the natural realm? It's very, very simple. But it is the simplest truth that the believers are being busted up, torn down, knocked out of the race, faith is made shipwrecked. And I'm gonna say this very, very simple, Your words. Your words are what activates the spiritual realm. And I'm going to show you two examples of that right now so you can get it from the biblical. My Bible teaches me that life, come on, everybody say life. And what else? Death is in what? The power of the tongue. Did you know Proverbs is an instruction manual on how to talk? Did you know the book of James, all the way through the teachings of Jesus, we can see in every one of his gospels, there's all teaching about the tongue. But did you know also the book of James speaks about the bridal tongue and the unbridled tongue? James 1 speaks about if any man seems religious, but he can't control his tongue. Come on now. How many know his religion is vain? It's worthless. It's worth nothing. Come on. And I've seen people over the years, man, they can't control their tongues. They just speak their mind. They just speak their mouth. They just say things. And they say wrong things. They say judgmental things. They say critical things. They say negative things. They put them, come on. And then they activate something in the spirit. Because words activate the spiritual realm. Two examples. Number one is Mary, one of my heroes in the Bible, in the book of Luke, the, book of, the Bible says that the angel Gabriel, he came down to Mary and visited her one day. And the angel Gabriel came in, and the Bible says that she was shocked. She was amazed not at the angel coming, because all Israel had known about all the stories in the Bible where there was angelic deliverances and angelic visitations. They had no trouble with angels and believing angel, angelology, but they also knew about demons back then. Because remember the sons, they were they, their sons were casting out demons in the time of Jesus, so we understand that there. So they knew about both angels, but they also knew about demons. But here's the point that I want to bring out. So the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says in Luke 1, answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who was born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord. I'm in Luke chapter 1, 35 to 38 in the New King James. And then Mary said something. Now listen, this is so huge. So here's Gabriel bringing the message to Mary. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. But how many know bringing the message needed consent? If we don't understand this here, in the same respect, the devil brings a message to your mind that needs consent. The devil brings a temptation to your mind that needs consent. The devil brings an accusation to your mind that needs consent. The enemy brings a deception to your mind that needs consent. Your words are your consent. Okay, anybody ever say, I hate my work. Okay, hang on, hang on. You hate your work. You hate your job. The enemy hears that and says, hmm, there's a great opportunity for me. Hang on. And people do this every day. That gives him a legal right to make it hateful, to make it hell on earth in the place that you work. And you know what happens? You spread it to your other neighbors, your hatred. And you find out you're not alone. Come on. And then they say it. And then the others say it. Come on. And then what happens out there? Now you got a stronghold in work, and it's hell on earth, the place that you work. Rather than thank God that I got a job, thank God that these are opportunities to share, thank God that there's an opportunity for me to touch my boss, to touch these employees, to touch these people with the good of God. Can can you say amen? These are people that are lost. These are people that are broken. And God's put me as salt. God's put me as light here to influence them. But no, you go and succumb consent to the enemy's lie and you listen to it, I hate my job. And it attracts the others to come your way. We can talk about it. Ah, oh, they'll never change. That, that wife of mine will never change. That husband will never change. And he goes, yes, bingo! Because <laughs> you just consented to them to release a stubbornness upon them. And it becomes a stronghold inside. And they actually believe that they will never change. And I'll tell you what, he will cause the behaviors of them to manifest in such a way that's gonna frustrate you, gonna anger you, and it's all because of your words. So here's what it says Look at Luke 1. Okay. Mary comes and said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Now listen, let it be to me according to your word. So important. The angel came. But couldn't activate the spiritual realm until, listen, until she said, let it be. In other words, I'm not going to override your will, Mary. If you say no, we'll find someone else. But if you say no, it's done. The angel couldn't bring it to pass until she consented. And listen, 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 this is huge. In the spiritual realm, the angel departed from her when, As soon as she said, be it done according to your word. In the same respect, Zechariah, Zechariah has a miracle child. John the Baptist in his older age, and guess what happened? He became deaf. He couldn't talk, come on, until John was born. Why? Because of the negativity that came out of his mouth. In the same respect, Daniel, he's praying to God, God, show me the deliverance. Show me your power for my people. And you got crazy teachers today that say, don't read the Old Testament because we're only in the New Testament. And the Old Testament is telling you right now, being fulfilled before our very eyes is the book of Daniel prophetically about the last days. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It says more about the spirit of Antichrist in our world than any other writer is in the book of Daniel. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody feel worn down lately? Raise your hand. Just, just raise your hand. Is there anybody that just feels tired lately? Does anybody feel the battles have just stretched out a little bit? Come on, just We're not going to call anybody out there. Okay, if, if on any of those threes, wave your hand, everybody. But look around, everybody. Wave it real high. Wave it real high. Okay, do you know what the number one characteristic of the antichrist spirit is, is to wear down the saints. Number one is to wear you down, tire you out, come on, because I don't know about you, but when I get worn down and I get tired, that's when the enemy tries to attack. Because then when you're tired, come on, when you're worn down, then guess what? Something little you might hear, but you're so worn down and tired, you can react to that. Am I doing okay? Boy, that never happens. Though. None of the front row people. You're all so, so great up here. Good looking, but it never happens here. The reality, it happens to all of us. And so if he can get you tired down, then what happens? You'll start to fight flesh and blood rather than the powers of darkness that's behind the whole thing. Good preaching. Thanks for the shout. So here, so here's Danny. Here's Danny. And look what he says. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words are heard. Okay, understand this here. Understand this here. By your words, you're gonna be justified, and by your words, you're gonna be condemned. Did you know, did you know, li- li- listen, please listen. You can't even get, this is how you get saved. If you believe in your Heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, right? Yeah. How many believe that? Wave your hand. Okay. Okay. And, and it says, and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord. What happens? Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That's the spirit realm. And with the mouth confession is made to salvation. 1 Corinthians 4, 12, it says this. As I believe, therefore I speak. Now, let's just tie that in. You believe you're a failure. You believe you're nothing. You believe you're trash. You believe you're inferior. You believe, listen, listen. These are all the things that come against my mind. They're all the things that come against your mind. You believe you're never going to mount to anything. You believe that there's no future for you. And then they go and they put these movies out now on suicide and glamorizing suicide. And they're passing, come on, church. Okay, come on. And so you get somebody in that weakened moment, in that tired moment, might as well just end it. Might as well just go. And we don't even understand what's going on because we all believe lies about ourselves. And let me just tell you the truth about this body shaming junk and all these inferiority stuff and all this stuff of the insecurities and all the stuff that we hear that's bombarding us and then we got the skinny one and then we got a little heavier one like me come on then and it's just the way it is you know what's the perfect size or what's the perfect one okay and we got all those things but here's the answer to all the stuff that's going on today you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a book about you, and His thoughts are all in that book from right from the very beginning. And His acceptance is not because you're tall, not because you're wide, not because you're this. His acceptance on you is because of Jesus. And listen, any other thing that would hit your mind is a lie that you've believed, that you've embraced. That if you keep that lie, you're done. The enemy now has the upper hand on your life. So for 21 days, here's the key. In the spiritual realm, his words were immediately heard. They went right up. So that tells us that there's a direct connection with God in the spiritual realm. Amen? But there was a battle that went on with the prince of Persia, which was, I believe, the principality that actually fought against the enacting of those words. And so understand this here. Understand this. Whenever you pray and whenever you believe, the Bible says, what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe. Believe Believe what? That the things you're desiring is answered. Believe it when you pray. Not when you see it, but when you pray. Okay? It says, what things soever you desire when you pray. Come on. Believe that you receive them. When? When you pray. And you shall, future tense, have them. So Danny's over here and he's praying. And 21 days he's not seeing an answer. Yep. Christians pray and they don't see an answer in a week. Yeah. I guess God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah. Devil goes, yeah. Well, you know, two weeks have gone by. It ain't have, And then what do we do? We go take the soil because we put a seed in the ground, which is your words, and then you tear up the soil and it, it hasn't even taken root yet. Is that just ain't going to work? And whatever little root was there that you can hardly even see because it's under the ground, you just ruined it. Well, I guess it's not going to be. And so, what I have learned, listen very carefully, when I pray, I believe that I received at that point. Because in the Spirit, there's a conception that actually took place when I prayed. Just like the mama can't tell right away that that baby's there. Come on. And then until they start having some sickness, until that body starts going through changes, then all of a sudden, yeah, there's something's going on inside. But there's a conception that takes place, and that conception is with your Word. So the writer says this here. It says, Daniel, do not fear, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. As soon as the angel got the words, they split, they get out of there, because their assignment is over, now they bring it to God, come on, and God's word goes into activation every time. So my question today is, what are you speaking what are you speaking over your personal life? What are you speaking on the inside? Because there's there's self-talk that goes on that is so destructive to individuals that time. I hate myself. I hate, I hate who I am. I hate, why can't I be looking like that one? Why can't I be like this one? And then you get into comparison. And when you start to compare yourself to someone else, listen, you're a loser already because the best you can ever be is number two. That's why it says, come on, be be, be imitators not of number two, but imitators of number one, God. Amen. Can you say amen? So, So that's the number one realm is how the enemy gets in. Everybody say with your words. So when you speak yourself critical words, Unforgiving words Hateful words Spite words bitter words Anger words You're invoking the kingdom of darkness To do his job on your life And all the weapons that you have Are now null and void inside of your life Because you've given him consent now To fight your life To destroy your life and destroy you And to paralyze you not from the outside But get in the inside of you He can't get God So guess who he's going to try to get You and I I'll give you one more, man. There's so much more I want to talk about that there. You know what? Remember what Jesus said when when Peter came to him at Caesarea Philippi? Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah the prophet. But who do you say that I am? And and Simon Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said this. He said, Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this, but my Father which is in heaven. Which tells me revelation knowledge comes from the spirit realm first, and it manifests thus itself in this area and your identity. Glory to God. There's so many other things. The prophet Elijah was there and, and his servant Gehazi was bummed out because he saw all the chariots all over the hills of Israel and they're ready to polish them. They're ready to destroy them. They're ready to take them out. And Elisha comes out. and he says, what's the issue, buddy? What are you all talking about? He said, but master, master, they're going to kill us. They're going to destroy us. He said, listen, listen, God, just open up this boy's eyes. Just open them up. And all of a sudden, his eyes are opened up, and he saw all the chariots of Israel into the spiritual realm that were already there, but his veil was over his eyes. He didn't see them till the prophet prayed. And listen, until you pray, there's things God wants to show you and reveal to your life that will never come until you connect with God. Okay, one other thing, one other thing. So many I want to talk about, but I, I, I don't have time to get into them, okay? But here, okay, number two. Everybody say number two. We're involved in a spiritual war. Number three, and this is the one I want to close with today. Satan does not want people to believe that he is a person. He does not want people to believe that he has a personality. As a matter of fact, are you ready? 60% of Christians don't believe that Satan is real. Barna's research with the Christian church, listen to this here, of the USA, we did not have the statistics on Canada, so I have to bring the USA. It may be a bit higher, and I'll share why. 60% of believers say that Satan is just a symbol of evil and not a real living being or a person, he does not want you to think that he is real. 60%, come on, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna break that down in just a moment. If 60% have listened to the lie of the enemy and don't believe that he is real, don't believe that he has a personality, don't believe that he has a voice, don't believe that he has an influence, don't believe that he has a kingdom, don't believe that he is a liar, don't believe that he is a deceiver, don't believe that he is an accuser, don't believe that he is one that distorts the nature and the character of God, don't believe any of that there stuff, 60%, then we did not heed the teaching of the Son of God in three of the four Gospels. And the teaching of the Son of God said, beware, everybody say beware. Beware. Now, if, if, if Kathy says, beware, Rick, I tell you, listen, beware. I, there's something going on. Beware. How many know that's an alertness to my mind? Okay, that there's danger that's there and be alert to it. Okay, so you can be better prepared. If 60% don't believe that the devil is real, the Bible says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, come on, and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the two religious groups that were bringing the influence to the entire church world, not just in the old, but at the beginning of the new. They still had the influence. And Jesus warned of them. And what was the doctrine, what was the leaven of the Pharisees? The Pharisees had a doctrine, do as I say, but don't do as I do. Okay, hypocrisy is what it was summed up as. But the Sadducees also had a doctrine, and Acts brings this out very, very clearly, and this is what it says, they don't believe in angels, they don't believe in demons, they don't believe in resurrection, they don't believe in life, come on, afterwards, and they were in the theology camp of that day, and you can go to churches today that never talk about this subject. Never speak about this. And the reason they never talk about it and speak about it, because they don't even believe it exists. Wow. And so they try now to bring solutions to man's issues, to woman's issues, and they try to bring them in a natural realm and from natural means without the spiritual realm in any way. Wow. Good luck and then what happens is they can do, you know, medication, they can do whatever they can, and we're appreciative for that. We're appreciative for the psychiatrists that are here in this here room that know the Spirit of God and know the leadings of God and have tapped into the four basic inherent needs that is in every one person to belong and to be accepted, to grow and to be healthy, to share and to care, and so they can succeed. And they do that from a biblical mindset to try to bring solutions to the problems that the people have. But in their time, they're praying for God's wisdom to come forth and manifest. So here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. If the enemy can make us believe that that realm is not real and everything we're fighting, everything we're battling is just all natural, then the result's going to be stressed out. The result's going to be frustration. The result's going to be unanswered. The result's going to be, well, and then, then, then we hear this here statement, and, and I want you by live stream to listen I want you that are here to listen carefully to what I am going to say. Making Jesus Lord means he's in control of my life. I'll say it again. Believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead, confessing my mouth that he is Lord, thou shalt be saved. That means God is now in control in my life. God needs man, listen, and man needs God. We work together. The Bible says in the Great Commission, and the Lord went with them working. So God works with man. I sought for a man that could stand in the gap to make up the hedge, but I found none. And what happened? Judgment ended up coming. Abraham interceded before God. God, if there's 500 righteous men, would you judge the city? Would you spare the city? And God said, yeah. He went right down to 10 and said, God, if there's 10 righteous men, would you judge the city? He said, if there's 10 righteous ones, can you say amen? Why? Because God and man are in partnership. And the New Testament says, through the exceeding great and precious promises, we partake of his divine nature. But God needs your consent to accomplish his will in the earth, in your life, and in my life today. And here's what I got to summer, because there's so many ways I want to go. When we whine, and we complain, and we get negative, and there's constructive criticism that we all need in our lives. The reality is, when we do just our murmuring with no solutions, we ourselves end up hopeless. We ourselves end up depressed. We ourselves end up discouraged. We ourselves end up frustrated because we're activating another kingdom called the kingdom of sin and death in our lives. But the good news is, you can leave here today, and just as you brushed your teeth this morning, come on, why? Because you didn't want to get around people like what you smell like in the morning. Come on. How many can relate? Come on. You, you brushed your teeth. Why? So there's a, there's a nice smell comes out. Okay, got whiter teeth. Why? Because you put that white stuff on there. Come on. on the, come on. So just as you did that, you can leave here today and start changing your walk by changing your talk, and start saying, instead of consenting to everything the enemy brings into your mind, well, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're just a slow learner, you're this, you're that, you you know, look at you, you got all these handicaps, you got all these things against you, you got all these here things, you know know what, you know what they told me, that I'd never amount to anything, as a kid, never amount to anything, you know, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like other kids? Why can't, why can't you be this here? And when I finally came to the place in Christ, because the reason I can't be like them is because God didn't make me like them. And if he wanted me to be like them, I would have been them. But he didn't make me that way. But he made me unique. And he made you unique. He made you special, and He made me special, and He put His favor on you, and He put His favor on me. He put His handiwork in you, and He put His handiwork in me. He put His attributes in you, and He put His attributes in me. And because of that, we're different. Because of that, we're supernatural, and we can override natural laws by supernatural laws by decree. And the Bible says in Isaiah, "What you speak establishes the will of God in the spiritual realm." That Will break forth into this natural realm and break the lies of hell off your life, break the lies of the demonic off your life, break the lies of inferiority, of insecurity, of amounting to nothing in your life because now you're talking kingdom language and you have the tools, you have. The power, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, speaking His Word, carries the same authority that God Himself carries in the spiritual realm. Let's stand to our feet.